0: Welcome to The Hive Podcast, a show that helps inspire you to pursue your passions and ambitions. My name is Jared Spink, and I'm your host. I'm a photographer, videographer, and entrepreneur. Join me as I sit down with other entrepreneurs and creators to learn more about their process, how they've built communities around their brands, and the experiences they've had along the way. I hope that these conversations inspire you to pursue your goals. You're listening to The Hive Podcast. Hey, welcome back to The Hive Podcast. Thanks for listening each and every week. And if you guys are watching the new video edition of the podcast, welcome. It's good to see you guys. Thanks for watching. Make sure you uh, hit that like button and subscribe if you want to get notified when new updates come out of The Hive Podcast. Uh, it, this is pretty awesome. It gives you a really cool behind-the-scenes look of the actual live recording. As you may have noticed from some of the previous videos, things don't always go as smooth and as polished as the audio version makes it seem. So I hope you guys are enjoying this. And if you're listening on the Apple podcast player, Spotify, wherever you're listening, go check out the video version. It's, it's pretty neat. I think you guys will enjoy it. Well, this week's guest is a fantastic photographer, fantastic filmmaker. He's a YouTuber and he has joined me all the way from Canada is Chris Brockhurst. Dude, welcome to the Hive podcast. Super stoked to have you on. Thank you for having me. What an intro. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, man. Of course. Of course. It's been really great uh, chatting with you on Twitter and getting you scheduled to be on the show. It's been on the books for a while, so I've been really looking forward to this, dude. It has. I appreciate the way that you plan out in advance. I really yeah. like that. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little like over-organized right now. I got shows like booked out all the way into to March right now, which it feels really good. Honestly, Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, but maybe you can no. relate like with your YouTube videos. You you get something recorded and edited and done and you want to get it out into the world and you sit on it for a while, you know, till the till the right upload date, so.
1: It's it's funny you say that, actually. I was just re-watching a video this morning that's gotta go out. And uh, it was meant to go out before Christmas and then the brand was like, "Nope, needs to go out at the end of January. And at the end of the video, there's a like a Merry Christmas message from me. And now I'm like, well, now that's done, that's going out the end of January, but a bit late, but but it's yeah, so it's so funny. true. Uh,
0: well, for our listeners or the viewers who are now watching the video edition, if they're not familiar with you, why don't you give us uh, a rundown of who you are and what you do? Ooh, uh,
1: my name's Chris and I refer to myself as a content creator. Uh, I make a little bit of my living through YouTube videos, um, gear, videos, tutorials, a lot of little short story-driven content, which I'm trying to move more towards. Uh, And I do a lot of freelance work as well, real estate. I'll shoot a lot of weddings and uh, it's a little bit of corporate work here and there as well. That's pretty much me in a nutshell. Uh, There's other stuff as well, but like that's, that's mainly what I do.
0: Awesome. Well, you know, we've been chatting on Twitter back and forth. You really acted on on there. It's a great uh, place for the creative community to come together um, and I've noticed you've been doing um, a, a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of gear reviews. We were talking before this, looking at your YouTube channel. Um, it was originally a place where you would upload basically like your portfolio so clients could go see your portfolio. And that was about seven, eight years ago. So you've been on the platform for a while. When did that transition start to, to happen for you where you're like, okay, this is more than just a a place to put my portfolio. I can actually start making some really cool videos that people would be interested in like gear reviews and short stories. Kind of me, walk me through that process when that started to to happen or maybe click that idea start to click for you. For sure. I think like I've had a channel since 2006, which I
1: think is like right around when YouTube started. And as you saw, like I literally just put on there random videos, funny stuff. Uh, and then it slowly evolved over time into just like family or films. I wanted to, Kind of use YouTube as a way to to share videos with family, and then I started getting into YouTube um, through watching people like Casey Neistat, like I think everybody did, and loved what he was doing, and thought, well, you know what, I want to make some videos myself. And then I didn't really know what to make videos about, so I just kind of talked about and reviewed gear that I already had, and I started probably with a video like every couple of months, and then it would be like six months before I'd upload anything. So we're probably at like. 2015, 2016, something like that. And then somewhere around 2017, something just clicked and like, you know what, I should make this consistent. And I've tried to put a video up every week since then and the channels evolved over time. I don't do as much gear stuff as I used to, but uh, I'm moving towards story stuff as well. But it's just somewhere I like to make videos, be it for fun, be it for educational purposes, uh, and I'm posting them. I, I really love YouTube as a, as a consumer, someone that watches the content and uh, uploads as well. So
0: going all the way back to your, your early days when you started out, how did you how did you even get into cameras? Do you remember the, the first time you picked up a camera? I
1: do, I do. So I actually have the very first video clip that I ever shot. And uh, that's gonna be a video at some point, but uh, I got in through skateboarding. So that's how I started. Uh, A lot of people I find as well, like kind of in this niche, they got in the same way through BMXing, skateboarding or rollerblading and just started making videos. Uh, I was inspired by things like uh, Jackass. And I don't know if you ever watched CKY with like Bam Magiara and all those kinds of things. So that really inspired me. And I I make those kinds of movies with my friends and uh, it turned into then just like more creative skateboard videos. Um, And then I ultimately went to... I went to university in England, um, which was meant to be a three-year degree. And I dropped out after two years because the way the course was kind of going wasn't really something I was interested in. It was very abstract. And it made me hate video, to be honest. So for about two, three years, I did nothing to do with video or photo. I just stepped away. And then um, around 2000, I want to say 2011, when I moved to Canada, I just started getting back into it. And saw nice.
0: kind of history from there. Yeah. Yeah. I can really relate to that. I mean, I, I picked up a camera probably in like element. it was elementary school for a photo contest, but what really got me hooked was definitely action sports growing up in San Diego. The original mm-hmm. X games were here. You have a lot of pro skaters. A lot of the industry is based here in San Diego when it comes to skateboarding. And that's what right. I was really into. And I just remember those, those early days of like trying to capture those action shots with oh man yeah. with, with a polaroid camera of all yep. things too like and they never ever came out good right
1: <laughs> and it's like the worst little resolution and everything oh, grainy and but just the whole idea of just capturing it though is all we really cared about right and we thought we looked so good with these Little lollies down like a two set of stairs and it's so funny in hindsight, but uh, it's how a lot of people started.
0: Yeah. I mean, it didn't even matter if you landed the trick, right? It it was like, can I, can I just get a cool shot of trying to do the trick? (laughs) Am (laughs) I in midair and does it get captured? Yep. Good. All right. Good. It looks awesome. Yeah. Um, That's it. Well, that's cool, man. I can, I can definitely relate to that. So how did it evolve when you, when you got to Canada? What, what got you back into it and what were you shooting initially when you when you got back into it. So what actually got me
1: back into it was, I worked in, uh, it was a store called Future Shop, so it's the equivalent of, um, it's not around anymore, it's been bought by Best Buy, but it was the equivalent of Best Buy. And I worked in the camera department, and I got a pretty decent discount on uh, a Canon 60D. This would have been 2010, 2011. And uh, I grabbed one of those, and it was the first DSLR camera that I had that shot proper video. And I got the nifty 50 and it was just amazing to be able to shoot video with a depth of field. And that's kind of what spurred the interest. And I just started shooting just little family things. Like we'd go away to the cottage for a weekend and I'd shoot like a bunch of different stuff there. Or we'd go to the zoo and I'd shoot a bunch of stuff there. All those videos are actually on my YouTube channel if you go back far enough. So that's really what got me into it. They're not even like, there's no story to them. There's no audio other than like music. Uh, I was just playing around with the camera getting cool shots, adding music to it, editing it, and that was it.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I've, I've, I went way back in the channel and there's a lot of those videos. And I think it's awesome that you leave it up because people can go back and, and see how you've progressed in your creativity and your style. Do you remember what you were shooting on initially with those those early videos? I can't remember the original cameras. Um, there's like a old,
1: old video on there that shot with a GoPro. It'd be like a GoPro Hero 3 I, th- I still have one of those in my closet. Oh, you still have one? <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't remember other than the Canon 60D. I can't remember really. They were all like off-brand, like Chinese cameras, or well, wouldn't even be Chinese, I guess, at the time. But like something you'd see in like a catalog, and you buy. Like they were, they were nothing fancy, but they just recorded videos in these horrible little codecs. It was probably like 720p. It wasn't even HD sometimes. Um, yeah, but they got the job done, no, right? No log. You know, no log. super grainy, no <laughs> horrible yep. low light. Yeah, oh, everything's are- just horribly saturated. But back then it was just, you just want to capture the video. You didn't really care about all the other stuff,
0: right? Right. So let's let's talk about that because you you do a, a ton of gear reviews on your channel, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. I mean, there's a huge, uh, I don't know if I want to say like market is the right term I want to use, but there, there's a lot of people looking for that stuff on YouTube and it definitely helps, you know, a channel grow and be able to help you get your work out there. But in your experience back in those early days, I mean, yeah, that the tech was amazing then to, to us, but it was about more about like, can this help me capture what I want to capture? Exactly, and I feel like yeah. today it's gotten to the point where it's just like, it's all about the specs and what the camera can do. Not necessarily like how it's being implemented. I feel like back then, it was more about how you're implementing the technology versus what the technology was. Do you, do you feel the same way? Have you seen kind of that, that transition away from storytelling to more about what the tool actually is? I think so.
1: I think everyone now does think that they need like the latest and greatest, whereas realistically speaking, like you can go back and look at super old video and you can compare it to some stuff today really. And it doesn't look that different. I just, it's, I think with the availability, all these YouTube videos of even like people like me who make a video about a specific piece of uh, gear or a product, more people consuming that than thinking, okay, I need that. You don't necessarily need that gear nowadays. That's why some of my videos, I try and put a lot of examples in there. I like, like right now, I'm about to go and shoot a uh, a lens video, but I want to make something with that lens, like a little short film, before I go and talk about it, and then I'll use that in the review. So. That's kind of the the balance and the way that I make a video. I try and utilize the gear and show what's possible instead of just talking about specs. Because it's easy to just sit down and talk about specs. And that's where we do fall in the trap of thinking, oh, we just need that because it has the latest and greatest. But it doesn't always matter, honestly.
0: Yeah, and I think that that is like the future of gear reviews and tech reviews is going out and actually showing what you created with the project, like the product versus then just sitting at a table like this Mm -hmm. and showing it. And like, here's the one page of exactly, you know, the the tech specs. I love videos where someone goes out and actually creates something with that product. So you can see how it can be implemented. So that's awesome that that's what you're doing. I think channels that do that going forward are going to be the ones uh, that succeed.
1: So let's talk about
0: that that yeah, like let's talk about that transition. So, when did you really start to commit to you know the tech review space or the camera kind of review space on your channel? how How many years have you been doing that kind of format? I was trying to work this out the other day, and I was going back, and it looks like I started to get
1: consistent about two and a half years ago. When I say consistent, I mean. Having a video out every single week. There were periods where I'd go like two, three months where I wouldn't post a video and then I'd do a two or three in a month. Uh, but actual consistency is like two and a half years ago, I'd say. Um, and I started with gear reviews because that's what I was consuming. So I thought, okay, well, if, if that's what I want to watch, then other people are going to want to watch that too. And I was one of the first people that jumped on board with the A7 III and I, my channel got a big bump from from having the a7 III and being one of the first people to have it and making a bunch of content around it. Um, But then I started to to realize it's like there's only so much you can do before you're going to run out of ideas. So that's why I wanted to start making more things for myself again but then implementing kind of the gear review aspect of that at the same time. So I started probably, yeah, two and a half years ago and then that little change came in about 18 months ago, I'd say.
0: So 18 months ago uh, you started to see like the real growth in the channel is that what you're saying
1: the real growth and that's when i started to want to change and start to include more like here's things i'm actually making with this and reviewing it as well so it was kind of a the channel started getting a, a bump in traffic but at the same time I, I i changed a little bit of how i create the videos i was making
0: yeah so i, lo- I was looking this morning i think you're what around like 40,000 subscribers on the channel Yeah, currently? right around 40 there? 44 or something like that. Yeah. When did you start to notice that community start to grow around the channel and, and, uh, really start to come together around what you were creating and putting out there?
1: Literally about 18 months ago is when it started. There was a a spike and then the spike kind of just continued on a very, very gradual climb. And it's been going ever since. Um, and there is a snowball effect, like people say, like once you hit 10,000, you start to see more and more. And then once you hit 20,000, you start to see more and more. And the gaps get smaller between the milestones, I find. Uh, but yeah, about 18 months ago is when I started to see a like a real growth in uh, subscribers. But I kind of, I'm not really in the mindset anymore of thinking that subscribers really, really matter so much. I'm more of... Like don't get me wrong, I used to check all the analytics and all the views and everything like that, but then I started to get too consumed with that. Yeah. So now I'm more of the mindset of I want to make a video that I want to make, and I want my core audience to be involved, to like that, to watch that, to comment on it. Um, and I'm not just making videos for the views anymore. If that makes sense.
0: Oh, it makes it makes perfect sense because you can put a video out there where you're like, all right, I'm trying to get views to grow the channel, and that's understandable mm-hmm. because that's how. I mean, that's just how you compare like growth in the YouTube space is by subscribers and view time. So when people say like stats don't matter, they shouldn't matter so much to you, but it is a measure of progress on the channel, but it is so much more satisfying to put something out there that you're really proud of and that you enjoy. And even if it doesn't get the views that you were hoping it would get, there's just something about putting out something that you're proud of and you think is awesome, right? A hundred percent. And then when
1: you get the people, because there's always a like a core group in your your subscriber base that will be into it as much as you enjoy making it. And that's what I really, really like. It's not as many as like the whole subscribers that you have, but there's, there's always like a, a niche of people in your group that enjoy watching it.
0: Yeah, and I've noticed that like no matter the channel and no matter the size, there is always just that core group of people that are there to support you. And I mean, when you're making these videos and you're talking to a camera, I mean, those are the people you got to think about and, you know, try to put something out there that they enjoy, that you enjoy. And it's awesome that you have that core group of people that have, you know, come together around your channel and and support you because it, it's, YouTube isn't easy, guys. It, it It's, it's not. not easy and it's hard to stay motivated. And when you when you do have a, a community around your channel that is super supportive, it makes things, it makes it a lot easier because- you can get 10 positive comments, right? But it only takes one to be like, oh, gosh, right? <laughs>
1: just ruins
0: your day, yeah. Just ruined. And, and it's usually yeah. about something completely off topic, totally stupid, nitpicking. It just, yeah. and usually those people don't even have like a channel, <laughs>
1: which is Not, funny. It is funny, actually. It's funny you say that. That's literally the first thing I'll do is like they'll, if it's something you may have said wrong or you you made a mistake or something like that, someone just brings it up and then they write an essay on why you're wrong. And then you're okay. Okay. Well, what have you made? Let's go take a look. Just nothing. Just, just an account name. And that's it.
0: (laughs) You always find it funny. (laughs) So funny. Um, what, what opportunities have come with following this passion that you have of making videos and putting it out on YouTube? You know, a lot of other than being able to, to pursue your creative outlet, I'm sure there's there's a lot of maybe behind the scenes, uh, benefits that have come to you, uh, through pursuing this. Yeah. I mean, the first
1: thing that you, you kind of, you get and you're introduced to is working with brands, um, products, brands that want to send you products. And, uh, naturally when you, you start and brands start inquiring you're like, yay, like free stuff. And you just say yes to everything and it comes through and then you get it and you realize some of it's not the best and some of it's amazing. Um, but then from there on up, you get, uh, you start to get like sponsorships, which is always great because it allows you to continue making content, but kind of be, be paid for making some content at the same time. Uh, and for me, uh, up until literally about 18 months ago, I was, uh, I was still employed full time. I was completely irrelevant, uh, subject. I was worked in management retail and, uh, I took a step down from that about 18 months ago and, moved into a part-time position. So I could kind of focus on YouTube and family life as well. Those sponsorships and uh, the things that come from that actually allowed me to do that. So if it hadn't been for YouTube, I'd probably still be working in a job that I don't quite enjoy. And uh, next month I'm actually stepping away from that job completely. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to be going into uh, like a full-time kind of creator status combination of YouTube and freelance stuff as well. But honestly, like a big portion of that is is from YouTube and the sponsorships and the, the affiliate stuff that comes with it. So it's amazing. Honestly, I, I still can't believe it.
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations, because that I Thank think you. that's that's kind of the dream of anybody that that has a YouTube channel, right, is they, they want to be able to do it full time. I think a, a lot of people have that ambition. And for you to actually see that goal become reality is awesome. And and to commit to it by Stepping down, taking a part-time position to focus more on the YouTube and, and freelance space is awesome. But that that opens up a whole nother line of questioning, right? Because yeah. that that is not easy. Some of us, no. like me, I, I took this leap because basically it was something I was doing on the side and I, I had to, right? My job wasn't there anymore. The company sold, everybody got laid off. So that was kind of what pushed me into pursuing videography, photography full time, and eventually the podcast. But for you, you actually took that leap and you took the initiative. So what challenges though, maybe from a family perspective um, and a personal perspective, and even with your employer, what kind of challenges came with, you know, taking that leap? Oh, there's lots. I mean, the first ones that come to mind
1: is uh, you no longer have a guaranteed income. So going from like a salary. Yeah, it is. It's it's a Big scary thing. Um, going from salary to to nothing. Now you're all fully dependent on continuously making videos, going out to find work. Uh, benefits is a big thing here. So yeah, we have free healthcare here in Canada, but it only gets you to so far. Like it doesn't cover things like if you want to go to the dentist and those kinds of things. So those are going to be now things that we have to pay for. But on the flip side, the positives outweigh the negatives hugely. It's like now I get to do something that I love. I get to do something that I enjoy. Um, I get to have a three-day weekend like every week with my family, with my two kids. So the positives hugely outweigh the negatives and it's just, we now reach the point where it's like, okay, I'm making enough money that I can I can make that jump. Yeah, it's scary, but ultimately it's it's a better life choice, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely, I agree with that. It, it really is a better life choice. I love working for myself and the support from my family and my wife has been absolutely tremendous. And I mean- for anybody listening that that's your goal and you wanna take that leap, it, do it in a responsible way. I'm sure you didn't just Absolutely, like up yeah. one day and be like, okay, well, yeah, don't, don't hey honey, I'm, no. I'm, I'm gonna you know go part time and we're just gonna see what happens. You gotta do it responsibly, put a plan together, right? Um, well, that's awesome. But
1: some, do you not find like for, for yourself? So when you, uh, You kind of pushed into a position like that. Like you learn so much about yourself and you learn Mm -hmm. how to do things better. Like it just makes you grow as a person. Yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it makes you grow as a person. And that's,
0: it makes you a better person. So what kind of freelance work are you doing? Um, I mean, doing this, so I've been doing it for a year. You've been doing it for 18 months, Mm -hmm. um, full uh, part-time, going full-time and then the the pandemic hits let's let's just mm-hmm. talk about that right like yeah. it's the elephant in the room i mean it it's tough it, i mean it was scary initially how things were going to work out how have you adapted during this time and and still be be able to get freelance work
1: so there wasn't a lot of freelance work that we we did this year um i say we as, as me um but my wife actually shoots weddings with me as well so our wedding company um that's actually been going for a little bit longer that's a big part of our freelance work and we had i want to say about 15 weddings booked this year and we only ended up doing 3 every other wedding postponed until next year which you think great that's okay but then you've also got to think okay well now what about the weddings that were actually meant to happen in 2021 already so if we were to take in 15 weddings in 2021 and now we're taking 12 from 2020 now we've got an insanely busy year so that that was one thing that uh kind of happened to us um in terms of corporate work there was a little bit that i managed to do in the summer when things uh calmed down and uh, there weren't as many cases and it weren't quite as bad but now we're back in a situation where everything's in a lockdown again and we can't really go and do anything um actually I was meant to have a job today and i had to cancel that one because we went into lockdown last week here in ontario um couple of jobs scheduled for the end of the month, depending on how the lockdown works out, but you really just have to kind of deal with it. And it's in situations like this where this is why I really rely on YouTube and uh, just kind of jump in head first And all I can do is make videos on the internet right now. So that's all yeah. I'm gonna do.
0: I think it shows that how important it is, especially if you want to be a creative full-time to have multiple revenue streams and don't put every all your eggs in one basket, right? Absolutely, you got the YouTube, yeah. you got the freelance, you have affiliate links, you got sponsorships. So there's different avenues of income. So what advice can you give to somebody that wants to pursue that full time? I mean, my biggest advice is start immediately. Like if you haven't started, you need to start. So you have a foundation, but what advice can you give someone that wants to pursue that? Maybe kind of walk us through. Yeah. Just ideas that you think would be helpful. For sure. I always have the same
1: answer to this question and it's, you need to go in for the right reasons and it needs to be something you need to go in doing something that you enjoy. If you're going in just for the money um or you want to just I don't know, you want to be YouTube famous or something like that, like those aren't the right reasons to go in. You've got to go in and enjoy doing what you're doing because as you said earlier, this is not easy. Like people think it's just a case of recording a video, clicking upload. There's so much more to it and you have to be prepared for that. And if you don't enjoy doing what you're doing, you're gonna burn out and hate it so quick. And ultimately, as horrible it is to say, you're gonna fail. So, go in as you say, make a video now, but do it on something that you're gonna enjoy doing. And uh, the same thing applies to freelance too. Don't go out and start wanting to shoot corporate gigs because not all corporate gigs are fancy, and there could be you could be filming HR stuff for eight hours a day for five days a week, and it's it's not fun. So, I like to shoot weddings. Uh, I like to shoot a lot of like martial arts stuff as well. So focus on things you enjoy and kind of make that your niche when it comes to freelance.
0: Definitely focus on what you enjoy because clients, Mm -hmm. client work is great, but overall, especially when it it comes to video, clients are difficult, right? Because there's a reason they're hiring you. They don't understand video production, right? And so be prepared to coach them a lot, especially if they're the ones being on camera. I've I've definitely struggled with that. For sure. Set expectations. Expectations and, I mean, just the simplest things, right? Like even when it comes to audio, if they mess up, like, okay, don't just pick back up. Like pause for a second so I have a good spot to cut. Yep. You know, when they pick back up, oh man, that is it makes the post-processing a lot more difficult.
1: It does, it does. And you, you have to be mindful of those things and think about those things when you're, you're on set or on location filming, cuz yeah, I mean it can ruin it. And if you you get your name out there and it's not good, it's not going to go well for you either. So, there's a lot to think about, but as long as you're in the right mindset and you're going in doing something you enjoy doing, you'll be successful. So, let's let's go back to the
0: YouTube channel. Um mm-hmm. cuz I really love your channel and I love you. your I love your set. Your okay. at home studio set. So, kind of walk us through how you'd come up and design a set, especially I think a lot of people, you know, they're making their YouTube videos, at least to start in a very small corner of their home. Mm -hmm. So what tips do you have for someone that that is going to start making videos, but they they don't want to, they want to spruce it up a little bit. They want it to look Mm -hmm. good and have a nice set. Kind of walk us through what you've done. I love, I love your set. So I'm curious to how you came up with it and kind of the thought process that goes behind it. Thank you. Are you talking about the like the most
1: current set? Because I've I've gone through quite a few iterations. Which one? Yeah, you I, I really love the current set. The current one. Okay. Um, so, the biggest thing I'll say that you can do in even in a small space is add some form of depth. So you'll see if you go back in some of my older videos, I'm kind of against a like a fake brick wall. I've played around with a bunch of different things, but the biggest thing that ended up settling for is adding depth to a scene so be it you're close to the camera using a really shallow depth of field even if something's like four feet behind you the wall that will add a lot of depth there but you need something to kind of show that there's some depth as well so like right now i mean the people that can't can't view this aren't going to see but like i've got a light there the sole purpose of that light is to give me a little bit of a hair light but at the same time it shows depth shows that something is behind me. And then behind that, there's a backdrop as well. So a lot of the scenes that I use tend to focus on depth. And then after the depth, it's just lighting from different sources, really. And you can do that with any space, any size of space you can do that with. Uh, Depth and lighting. That's my my tips for starting a studio.
0: Yeah, lighting is so important. I think so many people get hung up on the camera that they're going to use. And I mean one of the one of, i mean one of the staples to youtube creation is the what the canon m50 right like yep, it's not yep. even that that great of a camera but it's kind of like the go to recommendation that a lot of people have when someone's starting out or like you know the a6000 series uh from mm-hmm. from sony and they're they're okay cameras right they're not like the latest and greatest but they they get the job done but paired exactly. with lighting paired with oh, lighting yeah. they look amazing mm mm-hmm.
1: mhm you, uh, you can do so much with lighting and just, I find I spend a lot of time every week, just playing around with different lighting styles, angling a light a little bit differently, adding a little bit of diffusion and you can completely change your mood just with the slightest little touch of lighting. Like instead of having the lighting directly on you now, just point it at the ceiling and reflect down And like there's so much you can do. Yeah. Learn your camera, but play around with lighting a lot. And, uh, kind of get to know it. I've actually just bought a bunch of books on lighting and cinematography because that's something I want to learn this year, like learn more of the technical aspects of it because it's something I feel Mm -hmm. like I could learn more on because it's so interesting and I spend so much time doing it. I want to get better so I can do it quicker.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason Hollywood productions have people specifically for everything. They have a whole crew just for lighting. They have a whole crew just for sound, just for pulling focus. I mean. There's a reason and it takes with, five hours to set up for a five second shot, right? Right, because all that makes a huge impact on the actual image. So when mm-hmm. you're creating at home, yeah, it's a lot harder because you're dealing it doing it yourself, but take in as much knowledge as possible on YouTube, videos like Chris's that are gonna help you, uh, you know, up your production to the, to the next level. So what are some, uh, okay, so we're talking about a camera. People need uh-huh. a camera to uh-huh. make YouTube a good fast lens. And when Chris and I are talking about fast lenses, we're talking about apertures, right? 1.2, 1.8, 2.8 are great lenses because they give you that shallow depth of field paired with lighting. And how many lights do you think someone should start off with? I think a lot of people start off with one key light, which is a good starting point. Mm-hmm. But ideally, how many lights do you think someone should should have? At least two. Yeah.
1: Um like one big source being your key light. Uh, And then you could have a smaller one on the back for your hair light. Um, It depends on your environment really. Like I started, like my very, very first videos were natural light. And I still love the look of a natural light there, but you can, with natural light, like if you have a big window and then one little light off to the side there, you can do a lot. So it really depends on your situation. But if you have
0: natural light, one light, if you don't, two lights for sure. And then of course, a good microphone. Don't, and a good mic. I mean, yeah, do your best not to use onboard audio from your camera yep. microphone. Get an external microphone.
1: What is it they What is it they say? You can people can deal with people can deal with bad video quality, but nobody can deal with bad sound. Right? right. Is that what they say, or something like yeah, that?
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's true. Like, yep. there's there's some documentaries that I watch that were recorded, you know, back in the '90s, and the quality wasn't great. And especially l- uploaded on YouTube now, like it just looks horrible. Mm-hmm. but the audio is fine and I can deal with watching it because the audio is fine. If, if the audio is horrible and the video is horrible, no, you can't watch skip. it. No. <laughs> so true. Yeah, exactly. So um, now that your channel's grown, you know, what are some of the the unseen, uh, I guess, business back end stuff that you have to deal with that you didn't really realize you would have to deal with, with a growing mm-hmm. channel and pursuing it as a business?
1: Um, emails, lots and lots of emails, lots of emails. <laughs> brand inquiries and knowing whether to just delete it or be nice and respond. Um, the emails and time management, I'd say are the two biggest things because you say, okay, you've got five days to, you've got five days in a week, typically or four days in a week. And that's how much time you've got to make a video. It sounds like a ton of time, but when you start getting down to it, planning it, setting everything up, filming everything, editing everything, realizing you need to reshoot something, having good like motivation to uh, properly time manage is a big, big thing. Uh, I'm still learning now and learning when to turn off in the evenings as well. Um, learning when to turn on. Like, do you look at your phone first thing in the morning and respond to emails or respond to comments? Do you leave that for a specific time of the day? So... Those are the biggest things for me. I I constantly struggle with, and I'm still trying to get better at on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, being your own boss, it, it can be difficult. The time management can be difficult, um, and especially in a creative field, the the motivation can be difficult to find sometimes mm-hmm. too. To wake up and be like, "All right, I need to make this video, or I need to edit this, or I got to pack because I got to get to this shoot." You know, where do you turn to for motivation to keep? going in your creative outlet? I've tried to figure that out recently. I've
1: realized it's actually not from watching YouTube videos. I find when you, you kind of tend to watch other people's YouTube videos, it makes you want to copy them it makes you want to, to mimic them. And it has the opposite effect sometimes. Um, books is one thing. Started reading pretty good. Um, finding time for yourself. When you're, you're kind of a, away from YouTube, I find that's when the best ideas come if you're like, I don't know about you, you tell me, but like how often you've been in the middle of a film and a video or you're writing a script for something, how often you get a great idea right then you don't. It's normally when you're doing something completely different. So finding, uh, finding time to step away and like even over Christmas, like I took a solid like two weeks off. I've got a bunch of ideas that I come up with over Christmas, things I wanted to just kind of dive into already, but like take the time off. Um, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Like finding the finding the time for yourself to be able to focus on things you're interested in, and then the ideas flow that way.
0: Yeah, so many good points. I mean, I found that to be so true when you're when you watch other videos, and I love watching other videos. There's creators Same. who I absolutely love watching. Every time a video comes out, I'm gonna watch it. Right? Absolutely. But when you, copying is is such a bad thing to do because I mean, it, it can help you when you're getting started just to get mm-hmm. through the motions. But once you start getting through the motions, you got to have some original ideas because if you're copying, like what's the point of putting the video out because someone someone just did it and you're just regurgitating the same stuff. Exactly. I mean, you can have a you can have a little bit of like I find what what
1: you'll tend to do is at least for me is you'll you'll copy someone or like the thesis of what they're doing. And then you'll put your own spin on it. And then that own spin will start to turn into like your own way of doing things. And then that's how you kind of find your originality, I find. So it's not a bad thing to copy people. It's just you've got to know, you've got to be able to put some of your own spin on it as well. And be prepared to go into that once you find it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I relate to the point that you made about your best ideas come when you're actually not creating something like when you're creating you'll have ideas about the current project that you're doing but new ideas always come to me when i'm doing something completely different now so the question comes is how how do you take that idea when it Mm -hmm. comes and actually put it into action or remember it the next day like what was that idea i had oh yeah so how do you start putting those ideas into you know
1: practice that's a great question Um, been trying to figure that out recently in terms of the best way to manage it but I literally just use notes on my phone so there's been times where I'm literally about to fall asleep and an idea will just come into my head and I will actively wake myself up to the point where I can load up uh, up your phone and uh, just type it in there because I find a lot of ideas come just before I'm about to go to sleep I'm definitely a night person so I don't know if that's why Um, and then the next day I kind of look at it and I go okay how can we develop this uh, but like you have the basic idea for something, but now like, what subcategories can come around now? Like, what? How can I use that to make a video? Or maybe it's just the idea of, or that's the subject, and then you've got to work an idea around that. Like you, you want to, you want to talk about I don't know your iPhone, but everyone talks about an iPhone, so how can you do it in a different way? And that's how I approach an idea normally. How can I put my spin on it?
0: Yeah, I think I mean it's something I've been dwelling on a lot because I do get tons of ideas. Late in the evening too, I think I've, I've become more of a night person, and I get all these ideas. I got to get better at writing them down. Um, but I, I've been thinking about like, so how do you how do you write yours down right now? Uh, either on my phone, maybe a voice note. Okay. But I I love I have a like you can't see it, but over here on my on the door into my office, I have a couple whiteboards. Okay. One that kind of tracks current projects uh-huh. and like where what stage they're at, and then another one where I I have a to do list or idea list. And I love just writing them down on the on the whiteboard and then doing kind of like, was it like mind mapping where you kind of branch off the main oh, idea yeah, and yeah. start coming up with how to implement that. So I've been thinking a lot lately though, is how long do you do you sit on an idea before you decide to act on it? I'm curious, I, it's something I've mm. been really thinking about and I'm curious to how you, do you implement it right away? How much thought goes into these Ideas before you implement them.
1: That's a really good question.
0: Um, it depends.
1: It's hard because sometimes you want to be one of the first people to to do a video. So if you have like a really unique idea about something, um, like a new lens comes out, but you want to do a, a really great idea, I'll just focus all my time on that. But then there's other things that really aren't that time sensitive, and I'll I'll sit on them for a while. Like right now, I've got this this great idea that I've been planning for. I want to do a, a product review of something, but make the entire video, like you know who Wes Anderson is, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I want to make the entire video just like uh, almost like a copy for copy what style of his shots. And I, I bought a bunch of books about Wes Anderson. I've been studying everything and I've got all these ideas written down, but I just don't know the best product to do the review for. So I've got like this whole idea I've been sitting on since the beginning of December, but I, I don't know how to, make it kind of fall into place. So I'll wait until the right time comes. And I I think I know when, I think I will know when the right product comes up. Like I've literally scripted and planned and shot for shot, like storyboarded for two different products. And I ended up just them because I didn't think they were the right idea. So I will happily sit on an idea if it's not urgent until it's ready to go, if necessary.
0: Yeah. I'm really curious if you're watching this or listening to it, um, go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Jared Spink, me, your host, and let us know down in the comments, like how long do you sit on an idea before you decide to implement it? Because it's, like I said, it's been something I've been dwelling on a long time. Like what should be the thought process? And I know it's different for every idea, but I'm just curious to how long people- So what
1: do you do? Like for yourself, how long do you sit on an idea or do you just jump on it straight away?
0: (sighs) Yeah, it, it, again, right? It depends on the idea. Um but when it, I try to put a lot of thought into into something because I don't I don't want to do something halfway. Mm-hmm. Like I want it to be to be good, but at the same time, like I preach this all the time that like it doesn't need to be perfect, mm-hmm. right? You just need to get started. So done is better than perfect. Balance. That's why it's something I've been thinking about a ton lately. Yeah. So, let us know down in the comment section if you're watching the the video version of the podcast. That's a really great question. So Chris, what's, I like that. You should ask that thanks, to everybody. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got it. I said, I, I tweeted it and I got a few responses. Um, but yeah, it's just really interesting. Mm-hmm, so it is I'm curious what other people do. So Chris, what's, uh, what's next for the channel? 2021 is here. How, uh, what do we have to look forward to on the channel? Well, I've got lots of plans.
1: Um, I kind of need to wait for the pandemic to to die down before I can start jumping on these plans. But I want to start uh, creating with other people. That's a, a big thing I've wanted to do. I wanted to start that last year and then obviously COVID hit, so we couldn't do that. Um, but you're going to start to see more and more story-driven content, ideas that revolve around a story, but at the same time encompassing gear reviews, but it kind of in a different way. So that is the, the long-term kind of growth for the channel the, the way I, I see it going and the way that keeps me motivated to continuously make videos. So that's kind of the, the, the big picture right now. There's a lot of other little things as well, but that's the big plan right now.
0: Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I know we're all ready for this pandemic to end mm-hmm. because there's a lot of different things we all want to do. Get on a plane, go somewhere. <laughs> yeah vacation would be nice. I wouldn't, yep. me and the wife are dying to go to Hawaii. So oh yeah, if this pandemic could just end. I got all these, all these, uh, you know, points. I could fly to Hawaii for free, yep. Yep. but I just can't. Yep. No, I
1: feel you. Yeah. I got points. I got, we were meant to go on vacation literally two weeks before the pandemic hit. So we've got like travel credits, Airbnb credits and like, can't spend it.
0: Yeah. I mean, right now in California, you can't even go camping in California. Really, like, Campgrounds are closed. You can't, can't do anything. Wow. So it's a, it's a big bummer. But so, hey, if you're going to be stuck at home, create something. That's it. Right? Just upload. So Chris, we're, thanks for coming on the show. Where can people find you if they want to follow your journey and everything that you're creating? YouTube
1: channel, youtube.com forward slash Chris Broadcast. Uh, Instagram, just my name, at Chris Broadcast little less active on there recently, but spend most of my time on Twitter, I find. I I feel like that's a lot of us recently. But Chris Brockhurst without the T at the end because someone's already got that. Ah, Yeah. Chris,
0: (laughs) thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. It's been fun. It has been. And I hope you guys have enjoyed this conversation. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do that in your favorite podcast player, whatever you're listening to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. But if you are listening in Apple, make sure you rate the podcast, leave a written review. It really does help the show get out there to more people. And make sure you go check out the video version, subscribe. Everything about Chris will be linked down in the show notes if you want to check them out. So I will talk to you guys next week.